Dude, you used to get so mad because I'd sword and air ju juggle you constantly. I remember because you'd be like, dude, stop hitting me with sword and airs! <laughs> oh, dude, I could explain to you why Boomy's one of the greatest twos teammates of all time. And it's because he's so consistent in both ones and twos that he can dominate a game. And then once his teammate goes off, he knows exactly how to cover that teammate. Welcome to Season 2 of Brawlhalla Origins. This season's lineup is packed with awesome guests from various backgrounds in the Brawlhalla community. Join our VIP list by signing up at season2.brawlhallaorigins.com to get early access to each episode, special clips, giveaways, and behind-the-scenes updates. Today's guest is Silly Gobi. He's a former competitive player, best known for his performance in Brawlhalla 2v2s in mastery with the legend Thatch. Here's the sword. What was that down, Sig? Oh! oh! He's still orange, he's still orange. That's recovery! Gobi did it! Gobi! Gobi did it! Silly Gobi! The goblin himself has knocked Phazon out! Brawlhalla Origins is presented by Brawl Academy. Brawl Academy's mission is to provide the best educational content for improving at Brawlhalla to support competition long-term by bringing in and leveling up new talent. Learn more at brawlacademy.com. Brawlhalla Origins Season 2 is sponsored by SIB Esports. Go support them and follow what they do over at esportssib.com. Welcome to another episode of Brawlhalla Origins. Today I have with me an OG, Silly Gobi. Gobi, how are you doing? Doing great, man. Doing great. How about yourself? I'm doing really good. Excited to do this episode. Gobi and I have been friends for a long time now. A long so, time. <laughs> yeah. So this this is going to be a fun one. Um, for the people that are just tuning in for the first time and may not be aware, the point of Brawlhalla Origins is to interview notable members of the Brawlhalla community and learn a little bit about their history and where they came from and how they got to where they are today uh, in the context of Brawlhalla. So I'll start with the first question that I tend to ask everyone, Gobi. How did you find Brawlhalla? Dude, this is an interesting story. So okay. I walked into my brother's room at about like 1 a.m. one night and saw he was playing with a bunch of friends. This is back in high school. I think this is roughly my senior year. That's mm -hmm. about seven years ago now, <laughs> almost eight. God. Yeah. But uh, I remember looking at it, I was like, mm, that's not a game I'm interested in. <laughs> not, it doesn't look good for me. And I was like, oh, but there's a cowgirl in it. Oh, there's a cowgirl in it. A cowgirl. Yeah. I was like, hang on. Now maybe I'm a little bit interested. And so it was uh, about two months after that, right around December. And I was playing, if you're not familiar, I played it. I religiously play a game called Realm of the Mad God. That's like oh, one of my yeah. favorite games of all time. 8-bit yep. game. Awesome. I was playing with a friend of mine called Ryan. He, he's probably going to be watching this episode. What's up, my guy? And <laughs> I was like, hey, you want to play a random game? It was like 3 a.m. I was like, you want to play a random game? And he was like, yeah, sure. And we just hopped in and played ranked twos immediately. Then mm. just hopped into the queue, played it for like three hours. And that's when I just fell in love with the game. That's that's, that's the whole story. That's awesome. <laughs> Jeez. Well, speaking of ranked twos, uh, you got to be pretty decently known for being a yeah. pretty good twos player for a little bit. Like, what, uh, what kind of influenced your preference for twos over ones do you think I've, I've always been a big team guy i mean i've played basketball my entire life mm -hmm. um, i've never been one to i played tennis for a little bit but i've never been one to be particularly a fan of solo sports and mm -hmm. it's that the camaraderie aspect of it really draws me to any sport that has a team aspect in it 
and gotcha. you know playing twos with the teammates you and another person but there's always i like when i'm teaming when you're teaming with me you know it's gonna be a fun time it's serious in tournament but it's always gonna be jokes yeah. outside right so i just like to have fun nice okay Let, let's take it back a little bit so you got started you jumped in twos you played rank twos for a few hours can you walk me through like what a little bit of your progression was like kind of in the early days like okay when you started about how long did it take you to get to diamond for example i have all the statistics for you dude <laughs> I, have, I had it written down for the longest time because i tracked my progress i you, you'll know that the longer this interview goes on i'm very i have to write stuff down and i'm always right. like i'll write paragraphs of stuff you guys anybody that i've coached i write i write legitimate pages hmm. and so i hit diamond at 350 hours. That's a lot more than the average time for any other professional that you would know and that you've interviewed. It's like, oh yeah, it was like a hundred hours. Like Noel was sitting there. I, I actually watched him grow up. That's a story that we'll get into. And to me, 350 hours to get diamond. But the biggest aspect, the biggest hurdle for me was all mental. I had the mm. skills, but that was always, and that's gonna be the biggest struggle that I've had to tackle. And that's when I had the most growth is when I did tackle that wasn't the mental side of the game. And uh, it took me an extra 100 hours to get to 2200. And then it's just slow progression. I, and I'd always bounce around between 400 ELO. It wasn't like, oh, I went to 22 to 23 and I just stayed in that range. Oh, no, I would go from 22 to 1700 to 22 wow. to 1700. Like I'm talking a daily thing because it was all here. I would just mm. play when I raged. I wouldn't just stop. It took yeah. a lot of training and trial and error to figure out what works for me in terms of my improvement. Mm -hmm. So... When you say that uh, you struggled a little bit with like the mental side of the game, like, do you have any like, I know you've coached a lot of players. What do you tend to tell them about like sort of the mental aspect of Brawlhalla? The biggest thing is not to let losses affect you. And I know that's cliche. It's like, oh, you just don't, when you lose, don't get mad. Use as a learning opportunity. But it's, it's one of the most important things for anybody. Even when you're out in the real world, you're going to have stuff that's not going to go right. But it's more right. so changing the mindset to view it more as a step in the right direction. Like you're learning a lot more from failure than you would with success. Like 90% of the time. Do you agree? Oh, yeah. No, I 100% agree. I, I did a, uh, an article recently for Brawl Academy that was uh, like mindset, mindset shifts to make when, for sure. when you're playing Brawlhalla. And one of them is like losing is learning. Like it is. Uh, yeah. And I mean, they don't teach you that in school. I mean, they do to a degree, but it's not heavily focused. It's like when you right. fail, that's like a bad thing in school. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I'm a teacher now. For those of you you know, nobody will know, but I'm a teacher now. And that's what I tell my students. Like failing in my class isn't a bad thing. I'm just going to mm -hmm. talk to you about it. And I'm going to, we're going to explain. I'm going to explain to you how you can get back on the road to being in a better grade and better position. And that's a part of being a teenager. I'm a high school teacher is you have to grow every year or as much right. as you can. Yeah. Nice. Um, okay. So roughly 350 hours to diamond. Like what was the, what was the process? Like, what did it look like to, to practice for you? Like, was there I would, like a, dude, I was like, Daiku. That you did? I was like, Daiku. I'd play for 10 hours a day. Just constant grinding. And, 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 and see, that this is part of the learning process. I learned that I'm not that type of a player. I learn a lot more when I play anywhere between an hour to four hours. And four hours is my longest end. Like, if I go past mm. that, it's not practice anymore because my mind isn't fully there. Right, right. So, for me, like, my practice sessions nowadays, when I, you know, I'm trying to get back to being a professional player, it's one to two hours. I won't play more than that unless I'm really feeling it. Mm, okay. And then, what other things do you do, like, outside of just grinding is it 
Ooh, I have a story to tell. So okay. BCX 2016, the first mm. BCX, I ended up not being able to go because I pinched a nerve in this right elbow, had to get a cortisone injection in it. Oh, so wow. I couldn't use it for months. I think I spent, I was like three or four months that I couldn't play Brahalla properly. Mm. So what I would did instead of playing for 10 hours a day, I would watch people play for 10 hours a day. This is when I got absolutely obsessed with the game. I wanted to learn the insides and outsides. I was uh, messaging players. You can ask any old pro. I think I may have had 2,000 conversations with them just talking about stuff like, hey, when you approach this guy in neutral, because I would learn that there's people that do better in different play styles. So now mm -hmm. it's about learning how they approach the game so that my understanding can be better for when I play against them. Mm -hmm. So it became a giant interview process. I just learned as much as I could in those three to four months, and that helped me get on track whenever I did and was able to play again. Nice. Okay. No, oh, that's that's actually. I don't think I've ever heard that story actually. So, yeah, that uh, is, yeah. that's really interesting. Because right when I got back, twenty seventeen is the biggest. I I got I went from barely diamond whenever I healed up from my injury to twenty five twenty six hundred in a matter of weeks, like weeks, oh, wow. like legitimately. That's the biggest jump in skill that I've ever had, and it's purely because I was so prepared with information. All it was was putting it into a practical sense. Hmm. Okay. So how did you go about translating like the, the information that you gathered from like the research into actual like gameplay? I'm so happy you're asking these questions because <laughs> I, I, I was going to be a neurologist. I'm very interested in how the brain functions, right? So I've right. done a bunch of research and I didn't want to do the seven years of school. So I went to be an IT guy. So there's actually what professionals will do in other sports when they can't and they're too tired to actually practice, they'll do mental image training. So I do mm -hmm. a version of that with Brahala training mode. Well, I'll set the bot up in a situation that I want to practice. And then you can set dodges, whatever. But I will set up a position that I'm, I'm unfamiliar with. And I will constantly imagine that we're in a game. And I'm about to, I just like landed and I'm just going natural motion. Because if you do robotic where you just set it up and then you just keep doing it, it it's muscle right. memory. But you're not actually training to react in live time. So mm -hmm. I'll do some like moves around with a move and try to create as a realistic situation as possible and then i will do the punish and that's what helped me translate very quickly into the game was that mental image training mm, and then i'll okay. just go play ranked if that's my warm-up session i'll do mental image training as a warm-up session and then i'll go straight into ranked i don't even go experimental currently at least wow that's how do you how would you explain to someone how to even do that do that yeah so this is where experience really helps because if you've already because axe was my biggest issue for the longest okay. time that that was the one weapon i could never figure out so that's what i did the most training with i would actually play axe and do the same situations and this is helpful for anybody who struggles with a specific weapon matchup right i would really go into training mode set up the same situations that i tend to do which is like, for example, one thing I always did when I got hit by a dare, I dashed the side, get hit by a downlight, and now I'm in a juggle position with nares, right? So I would do the same thing, and I would try to do different dodges out of that, and to see what else I could do, you know, in terms of defensive stuff. That's the biggest thing I struggled with was defense, and so once I got that down, then I could do more, and so I just consistently did that with every weapon, every signature. You know, learning, okay, so this is what I need to do to move slightly over this move, right? I can't, mm. don't be scared, body, body, ball. And I would just constantly do that with every weapon and every legend until I just build my knowledge base. Nice. Okay. So training, training room sounds like it is like essential to, yes, to, to me, the way that you learned. Yeah. Yes, very much so. 
Okay. So let's let's talk a little bit about um, sort of your competitive career for a bit. Uh, walk me through like some of your like early breakout performances, like Ooh. leading up to them, and like so my first. Go? Two's teammate was Antibop, one of the legends of the community. Mm-hmm. Sadly, passed away many years ago, but he was the guy that actually got me into the competitive scene. He, he, mm-hmm. I played a ranked ones match against him, and he was like, "Dude, you have potential. Join my clan." I think it was called Inertia at the time, mm-hmm. and that was one of the biggest clans. And then, uh, eventually, a few months down that line, we became Two's partners because he was like, "Dude, you're good enough. You can be good." And so he was the one that kind of taught me how to be a professional in a sense of approaching the game in a different light like i had the training down but i I had to get that competitiveness where now i look forward to the tough matchups i don't shy away from playing against the sandstorms whatnot i think i have like pretty decent records against a lot of them just because i don't shy away i'm not scared of them when i see them in bracket i'm like i'll take it if i lose Mm -hmm. i lose and so that mindset carried me and then i think the first breakout performance i can think of would have to be playing with him. I think we ended up getting a fifth. I couldn't name the tournament for you because this is back when Ch- Challenge, Challenge, right, however you want to say yeah. it. That, that's when the tournaments were tr- kept. There was no Brawlhalla circuit until like, what, 2017? Yeah, something like that. Yep. Yeah, early twenty, early mid-2017, that's when the first Brawlhalla circuit was there. And so all these earlier brackets, that's when I had my breakout performances. So whenever the actual tournaments became a thing, where Brahalla put money in, that's whenever I was already placing pretty well. I was in that top consistent top nine at that time it was pretty because of him and then by this point i'm already bouncing around between partners and i'm placing well with different partners here and there mm-hmm. and that's what that's in my whole story it's just having different partners placing top eights and then getting dropped picking up a new guy placing top eight get dropped that's my kind of like my career <laughs> well what do you think like you you have for a long time, you were proving that you were capable of top eighting with like all different types of players. Oh, yeah. What do you think it is that makes your playstyle really good in twos? So, how I coach people in twos, and this is very beneficial to anybody who's trying to figure out how to play twos with somebody. It's hard to do it with somebody you don't know. So mm-hmm. what I would do is I'd actually sit and I'd ask my teammate, "Hey, can you just play ranked once?" And I would memorize their playstyle. Hmm. Like I would look, okay, so that's the reaction I have to go off of that hit. That's the reaction I have to go off of that edge guard. So whenever they're in this certain position, I can help them. So my biggest thing and the reason why I play so well is because I memorized every single play style. Even whenever I competed against people, I would sit there and try to memorize my opponent's play style so I can use it against them. It's mm-hmm. the reason why I was so good against LDZ in twos is because I knew how he reacted in edge guard situations, specifically in twos. Because he would always trust his teammate to help him when recovering, so he'd always fade out. So everything that I would do is always fading out, and I'd always Edgard him. And he would even message me, how do you know where I'm going? Like, I always get confirmed specifically against you. And it's because, I know. (laughs) I just know. So that's my biggest thing, is that if you understand how your teammate likes to react, you can help them. That's a big reason why I don't do a lot of damage in twos. I enable Mm -hmm. my teammate to do more, and I cover them. It's the reason why me and Simba, that my best placing teammate was Simba. It's because he was like a guy all over the place, mashing yeah. around, pressure everywhere, and then I'm sitting there covering him. I was, I was, I always called myself an annoying gnat that was always <laughs> just around, just long enough to where you couldn't punish him, and he would just do 800 damage a game. Didn't bother me. That's that's awesome. So in, in twos, there's kind of like the 
there's kind of like the different roles that that you can oh, play yeah. in twos and and it sounds like you're very kind of decidedly in the the support role i am in, well the best twos. teams have t uh, partners that can do both it just depends on who's on in the game mm, okay what i think <laughs> so i'm glad that you said that because I, I feel like you're in a pretty good position to kind of like talk a little bit about what makes some of the great 2v2 teams so great oh dude i could explain to you why boomy's one of the greatest twos teammates of all time and it's because he's so consistent in both ones and twos that he can dominate a game and then once his teammate goes off he knows exactly how to cover that teammate like, it's crazy. I mean, then you have Blaze over at EU who's very similar. He can carry games, but he doesn't need to. Mm, yeah. What do you think... So, so with some of the... You watched a lot of uh, 2v2s at BCX this year, right? Yes. To, yeah, so, I was I was there almost the entire time. So, the whole Godly Zen team up. Yeah, that's that fun. One, that one was... Them winning BCX was uh, like a big deal. It was like a cross-region team, EU and NA. What do you think it was that made them click so well? So that it's both Godly and Zen. I mean, in, all, before he was named was Cutie. But I think Godly being able to adapt to any teammate that he has, because he already has a history of being able to team with whoever and win tournaments in EU. The biggest mm -hmm. thing that I noticed when I was watching the both of them is that the confidence. There was like absolutely no fear in anything that they did. And that's something that I tell whenever I'm coaching or whenever I'm helping somebody out. You can't have confidence issues. It's uh, the reason why I'm having issues right now and improving is because I just don't have confidence because I'm still learning this new dash tech mm. that has come out and I complain about it forever. But I'm, I'm in the middle and I'm having confidence issues myself. So I know that that's, that's what helped them win. It's because like no matter what situation they were in, whether they were down or whether they were up, they were always confident. And they always knew like, hey, when I hit this, you go for this. There was no like... Oh, like pauses, like, oh, like no clunkiness is how the best term that I could think of of explaining it. There was always smooth progressions in every part of neutral. And mm -hmm. that's why they were always consistently winning, even if they weren't up in the set. When they did win, they were winning hard. Or if they did win those close games, it's because they weren't panicking in the situations that normally a normal person would panic. Mm. What do you think is a, a good way to practice twos, like when you're working with a teammate? When you're working with a teammate, this is where it gets interesting because it depends on what type of a teammate you have. If you have a hard grinding teammate, um, the biggest thing that the easiest thing that I've seen is work on combos every single day because that's going to help them. Because some some people, you know, are more hands on learners. Other people like me, I can study a book and I'll be perfectly fine. But other mm -hmm. people need to actually do stuff. So if you have a, a hard grinding teammate, you need to help them understand what you want by actually going in and taking 15 minutes before every two session and actually warming up properly and uh, mm. setting those expectations early so that whenever you do go into a game, there's no mess ups or screw ups and you can communicate better because then, you know, it's like, oh, well, if you did mess up, it's like, hey, just make sure that when I like, I hit this combo starter, but you weren't there. And it's like, OK, well, we worked on this combo before. You just got to be able to react in that situation. And then it becomes mm. more of a beneficial conversation instead of a big blame game. Right, 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 right. Once blame game starts, that's when two teams drop like flies. Right. T tell me a little bit about how you like when you're working with a it, when you're either working with a teammate or you're coaching people that are playing twos. Like, how how do you teach them how to like respond and be available to to each other? Like that sort of like the the awareness of what's going on with your teammate. 
I have video, I usually go back and record from either games that I've played or tournament sets, and I actually show them different examples of, hey, whenever they get your teammate gets in this bad of a situation, sometimes it's better not to punish immediately, but to actually wait, because you know what's coming. Like, if you know a Sayer's coming off of the, says this, the combo finisher, sometimes it's better to let your teammate get hit by that D-Light Sayer on Spear, but interrupt the kill confirm. Mm. Or if you can get there early enough, you can interrupt the, the combo before it even begins. But it just depends on the situation. And that is so, sometimes the hardest things to explain, especially to a younger person who may not understand that there is more than just one option. Like, there's right. not, no, there is no clear, perfect option in every scenario, and you're not going to be able to do that. So the way I usually teach situational awareness is I'll show them different things. And I'm like, however you feel the most comfortable doing this is the best answer. Like you can mm -hmm. change how comfortable you get with certain options, but whatever you feel the most confident in, that's going to be your answer until you train to do a different thing. Gotcha. All right. So let's take a break from talking about twos and come back again to a little bit more about your history. So... So let's say 2017, Brahalla circuit has started. You're doing good in twos. Like, what's what's the what's kind of like the path for you there? Like, what what's uh, how did you do in placements? Like, what was your progression? Tell me a little bit about like actually so, competing once the tournament like series has started. So for me, the biggest thing was like you know, of course, playing with a high level teammate is always fun. But for me, it was about always growing with every tournament. So every time that I would play a tournament, we'd always take the next day and go back and look at replays. Mm -hmm. And, you know, replays, replays, replays. Everybody gets annoyed whenever people talk about replays. But it's honestly the most beneficial thing because in tournament, you're going to play differently. You're not going to play exactly how you play in ranked. Like that mm -hmm. one situation you're super comfortable in and like a ranked match, you may not do at all in tournament. You're like, oh, wow, I didn't notice that before. So that was going to be the biggest progression there was uh, being able to go back and look at myself because I may be super good at coaching other people. I mean, all my twos teammates, most of my twos teammates have gone on a place better than me mm. whenever, after they dropped and went to go play with somebody else. And it's just because I, I was harping always improvement, improvement, improvement. It doesn't matter where we place. I would I'd be upset that we'd get a 13th every once in a while, but I was more so looking forward to the next tournament because we got beneficial information. And mm. that's when the more I did that, the better my placements got. It, it, there was a point where I was always a seventh to fifth placer every tournament, and then mm -hmm. it moved up to fifth to fourth for a little bit. So I had a whole year where I think I only placed top like eighth, maybe, or seventh, maybe a handful of times, but then I was always that top five. Mm -hmm. So trying to break into that top five was always the toughest thing for me. And it wasn't a mental thing. It was just a skill gap. I was a, it was always just like that one hit behind. I'd always get mm -hmm. caught once. Or my teammate would get caught once. That was the biggest weakness that I've noticed with my teams throughout the years is that it, there was always be that one time where we'd miss cover and it would be one big combo. And that, that one combo mm. just separates the entire game. And, you know, you did, sometimes it's really hard to catch up, especially when you're playing against Boomy Remy or, you know, the early right. onset of Sandstorm Ethan or, you know, Cody Travis Isidru back when they were a team. Those were like right. older ones. that Those were my demons. And it's because they were always so scarily consistent. And when they had a lead, they knew how to play with it. Mm -hmm. And so mm -hmm. actually the time where I actually broke that was before I retired for the first time in 2019 before COVID mm -hmm. was when me and Tiffany were playing. And this was a tournament where I was like, Tiffany, I'm not playing for results. I'm playing to have a good time. I think we ended up laughing more in this whole entire tournament than ever. <laughs> but we actually, I think we went on winner's side top five. 
or maybe it was a nasty loser's one. I'm trying to remember exactly what it was. By the entire time, I didn't even care. I was letting her do the the brackets and stuff. I right. was just enjoying life. And then I wasn't even paying attention to where we were at in the bracket. I think we ended up placing fourth. And I was like, oh, we got fourth? <laughs> when? Right. Like, I wasn't paying attention at all. So, and I think that's another big aspect when it came to competing is that I did take it seriously, but I, I wasn't so hard on myself to the fact that I would rage. Mm. Like, you know, Ethan, he plays better when he gets mad. You, he, you want him to get more mad because he always plays better when he gets very upset. And if you have watched him stream, that's how it works. For me, when I get <laughs> mad, I lose focus really easy. Yeah. So that's one of the things that I focused on as a competitor. It's like when I get mad, I know how to calm myself down. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's again, mental aspect. When I get mad, I get really mad. So I had to work on controlling that anger and actually using it to help better my gameplay. So that's when it became like Zen mode, you know, because of, I have I have so many stories, dude. <laughs> well, let's talk a little bit about um, events and traveling and like oh, seeing yeah. people. Like, it's been uh, like, man, there's a lot. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot. <laughs> so, what uh, what would you say is one of your favorite lands from like the pre-COVID era? There's only one: the hometown okay. tournament, Low Tier City, 2019. Straight oh, here in Arlington, Texas, my favorite land event of all time. Man, I wish I could have gone to that one. I, that was like one of the ones that I, I constantly kick myself for not being able to go. Dude, to. that's that. It's beautiful. That whole yeah. stadium and setup was awesome. It had yeah. to have been. I think. I think it's still in my top five, or it would be in other people's top five that went. Like, of course, the BCXs are the best events, but I think this is one of the single best non BCX like World Championship events that mm-hmm. I've ever been to. Yeah. No, like, the setup for that was. The setup for that was insane. Like, yeah. Production, the stage design, like just. It oh, it was, was awesome. It's like the coolest stage I think I've ever seen Brawlhalla played on that's not a BCX for sure. Well, that's also the only tournament that I placed top eight in both ones and twos. Oh, okay. I teamed so... with Costlix for that event. And then I ended up, I mean, you can see it on the YouTube history if you actually look me up. I beat Faison to get into top eight winners, a loser side of ones. And there's a whole story behind that too. I woke up with ones and a, with a migraine. I wasn't even planning to go in. My mom oh, was like, wow. oh, no, 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 no. You paid for this event. You're going to go and you're going to compete. And I was like, oh, okay, mom. <laughs> but I'll, I'll go up and do it. I was talking with Costlix before the event. I was like, dude, I can't play. And he was like, no, 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 no. You're going to focus. And this is, I, Costlix came in clutch for me here. He's like, let's get you warmed up. You're going to do well today. Just play against me. And he would three-stop me constantly. I was like, dude, don't worry about it. You're going to play better when it comes to the actual tournament. And it just so happened. That's exactly what happened. I just continuously popped off. I couldn't even think about the game, dude. I think my brain was turned off the entire time because uh, I couldn't play with with headphones on because the sound was like shaking my brain. Oh, yeah. So that's yeah. why the comments in the videos are, why doesn't he have a headset on? I was like, dude, because that random drop that happened like halfway through the set between me and Faison jolted me awake. I was in a trance almost. <laughs> like that entire time, I was I was more thinking more about the pain than I was playing the game. But that training i guess that i've done my entire life leading up to that event just kind of took over and i beat phase on and then i was drained after that right oh yeah I and then i was like yes i get to play on the main stage on once for the first time in my career let's go and then photo <laughs> comes up to me he's like hey you're gonna be playing your set against ethan next and i was like huh i don't get to be on the big stage tomorrow no we're gonna go to top five today 
What do you, dude, I don't have the energy. So I was sitting in the sidelines. Wilson was trying to hype me up. He was like, dude, you got it. Ethan's easy. Don't worry about him. I was like, dude, I don't have the energy, man. I am so tired. Damn. <laughs> and then Ethan, he knew I was tired. So he just played the slow game. And I was like, after I was, I was like, dude, you knew exactly what to do. He was like, yeah, I knew you were tired. So I just didn't engage. <laughs> he was like, oh, respect. Damn. Like, he knew. But that's my that's, favorite event. Yeah, that's that. unfortunate how that turned out. But yeah, I remember watching uh, that set versus Phazon. The, the stream was hype. Oh, so, yeah. Yeah. I hope that you hear Sandstorm and Boomy in the background. Let's go, go me. <laughs> I remember hearing that. And then I hit the... the the weapon throw down and the gravity cancel downlight recovery that should have ended the set, but you know that was a that was a, it was a really fun tournament. We'll hundred percent do it again. Nice, yeah. No, that that just that whole tournament looked so cool. I wish it was we could have awesome. Gone. How about uh, how about outside of that one? Any any interesting stories from other events? Yes, I think it was BCX 2017, and it's only because that was the first LAN event where I didn't go with, without my parents. I went without my brother and my parents, and actually, mm. is uh, Duke and Sheepy picked me up and took me to the airport, and I flew with them. Like they were they were like almost my parents for that. Oh event. yeah, I think yeah. I remember that. Yeah yeah yeah. yeah so I, I went with them. You keep in mind, I barely ever went out growing up, so I'm right. out here by myself, and I was so thankful that they were there with me. Oh yeah, because they were like guiding me around, doing all this other stuff, and so, so I cool. have a very special connection with those two specifically, just from that event alone. That's awesome. No, Duke and Sheepy are great. They're they awesome. Are, I think everybody wants them to be their parents. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um. Man, it's been like, why did <laughs> Gobi? Why did we never team, <laughs> dude? Hey, man, listen, I don't know. <laughs> I, whenever I was actually good, I had people asking me to team constantly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I don't even, I don't even know. I couldn't give you a straight answer. Maybe, no, maybe no, there was somebody else that asked me that I, I said I, yes to because I, I don't drop people, dude. I think I dropped only one person in my career. And no, that I, was, I, I think Steve, Stevenator. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, no, I, back, back then I was very like dead set on teaming with Narwhal. So yeah, you know, you, and yeah. that was back when you were in your Narwhal days. Yeah, yeah I remember yeah, that. Yeah. I remember that. So, so no, me and Narwhal had a good time. Those were, those were. Dead. He's a funny dude. Yeah, no, I love Narwhal. He, um, let's talk a little bit about like all of the different teammates that you've had, like, Oof. Because you a have list. teamed, yeah, you have teamed with a lot of people at this point. Um, so let's see, let's go in order here. So I've top aided with Antipop, and this was before yep. BCX events. I've top aided right. with Stevenator. Have a funny story with that. We can talk about that one later. Um, <laughs> who did I team with after Steve? I think it goes straight to Tiffany, and Tiffany was actually somebody who wasn't even a top placer at the time. Mm. Me and her would always fight in ones. Like I, I, we would constantly be on the lower side. We'd always be in the same bracket, and that connection that we established there, I was like, "Hey, you just want to try twos?" Because I had just been dropped by some. No, I think me and Steve just got off. I'm trying to remember if I was teaming with somebody before. Oh no, it was after me and Starlight placed top eight at BCX 2017, mm. and he went to go play with Astro again because Astro couldn't make it to BCX 2017. Right, 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 right. And so I was looking for a partner, and I was like, "Hey, Tiffany, you just want to play?" And I'm like, yeah, sure. And then I worked with her, and she ended up winning 2018 winners in once. Yeah, I remember And I that. coached yep. her for that. 
I I coached her the entire time. She she was a sponge. She would absorb everything I said, and she became better than me. And now I learned from I learned from her for the last couple of months that I was playing. Yeah, I was playing with her. So it was it was uh. So that it goes anti pop into Stevenator into Starlight for BCX 2017, mm. and then to Tiffany, and then me and her team for a, a year, like the whole year, maybe a little bit more than that. And that's right. that was my first teammate that I got fifths with on like the actual BCX like Brawlhalla events. And then after Tiffany, that's when I uh, picked up Simba. I don't even remember how me and Simba met. <laughs> I'm trying. I'm trying to remember. I think it may have been through a Discord. Oh, I forgot. Wrenched was in there too. Between. Oh uh, yeah, I forgot you did play with Wrench, didn't you? Between Stevenator and Starlight, there was Wrench and me and him team. This is when Wrench was thirteen, Squeaker. Always, <laughs> like, he was super young, and I was I mean, I was like eighteen, like, yeah. adults, and, and so. Uh, me and him teamed, and we teamed for a few land events. And so, me and him are also really good friends. Everybody that I've teamed with, we're, I'm still really good friends with. Hmm. And so, it went from there, and now we're back to... So, for, after Tiffany, it was Simba, 100%. And then, mm-hmm. the best placements I've ever had were with Simba. Like, we had pop-off tournaments. I think one yeah. of my favorite tournaments of all time is going to be that Autumn's Championship 20... It was 2017 to 2018. I'm trying to remember which one it is, because... I did the, um, I, uh, what's it called? I 2v1 clutched against Sandstorm and Ethan. Game four. Mm, we were oh, down yeah. in for seventh place. And so I 2v1 them to go for a game five. And then I dumpstered Ethan first stock of game five. And that was fun. <laughs> and then the next set we play against Boomy Remy. And, you know, Boomy Remy, they were a dominating team. And they go up 2-0 in an easy fashion. And then me and Simba lock in and do a reverse 3-0 against them. And then after yeah. that, we play against Tiffany Starlight. You know, that's two of my ex-partners. I want to beat them. Right. And that was a game five set. We ended up beating them. And then we did another game five set, I believe, against it was against Cody, Travis, and Isidru, in, or somebody that was really, really good in Losers Finals. And that was a game five set that we lost there. So that, that, that has to be one of my favorite tournament runs. Because it was just that's... upset after upset after upset. I think I actually remember um, the casting... This is around the time that casting in Brawlhalla started getting really good too, and they had started yeah. talking a little bit more about like the player storylines and stuff. Because I actually think I remember them talking about the set versus Tiffany and Starlight because of like making references to the fact that they were both previous teammates of yours. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, Foda. That's when Foda came up with the nickname for me. I was the two v two glue. Like, I was the glue <laughs> guy. I could see with anybody in place. That's when that's when esports is really picking up with nicknames, trying to establish yeah. storylines, stuff like that. You said you had a uh, a funny story about you placing with Stevenator. Yes. So this was a tournament. This was still when Challenge was a thing. We had, it was a tournament that we'd woken up for, and he woke up in the morning. We got into a voice call, and he sounded terrible. He was like, oh, "Yobi, no. <laughs> I have a 104 fever. I'm so sick." But we're gonna top eight, and we, we ended up going to losers like second round of the the bracket. And so we, we made a long loser's run. And in the middle of one of the sets, Stevenator's mom comes in. He's like, Steve, honey, I brought you some soup so that you could be like, you. she knew that he was competing. He said, like, you can play better. And I was like, I, we started, I just started busting out laughing during this loser's run. And so he's sitting there slurping his soup in between sets, just like eating. And he's like dying. He's like, oh, yeah, I feel so bad, man. We could have top three. And I'm like, dude, I'm happy that you were like, here. You could be sleeping right now. Right. So yeah, that's still one of my fondest memories. I still remember it very vividly. That whole entire run was hilarious because we went from a deep, I think it was like an eleven round losers run, 
from wherever we were at to a top eight. Wow. That's dang. That's crazy. Okay. Yeah. Um, you mentioned somewhere earlier in, in the call about having another, um, another story. I don't suppose you have any idea. Ooh. Um, Oh yeah. Noel and how like, I oh, watched yeah, the, Noel. Noel's Noel, growth. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. in early 2017, I was in a clan called PSG. It was owned by Provocaz and a bunch of other people. I was a part of this group. Oh, it was yeah. going to be one of the first organizations. Like we were working on being one of the first organizations in Brahalla. Like we were working on deals, stuff like that. I don't know what he was doing in the background. Provocaz was leading it all. But uh, Noel joined and he was a gold at the time. And I was like, Who, who's this guy? Like, oh, this guy has a bunch of potential, really cool dude. And so I'm like, well... I want to play against him and he wasn't that good in the beginning but not even a month later i'm looking at the leaderboards and he's the best one in our clan and it's not mm -hmm. even by a close margin it's like 200 elo better and so now i was actually jealous of him for the longest time because of how fast he improved until i talked to him because i didn't even know him i didn't even talk to him in voice call i was always typing over him. and then i met him at the first land and you know he's like six five yeah. giant muscled up and i was like oh <laughs> what's up dude how's it going but uh no he's and now i mean i've had so many conversations with him about mentality and stuff and we have both mm. very similar mindsets in terms of how to improve but he was just better at executing that because oh, we're both okay. not very naturally talented players we have to grind and you know watch film and replays and all the other stuff and he just did a way better job because he went on to win multiple lands and stuff like that yeah so yeah he's no. he, that story like he I don't even think he remembers being a part of it because I remember bringing it up. He was like, "Really? <laughs> really?" And I was like, "Yeah, yeah. Well, you were like a gold at the time, and I watched you improve." Uh, I, I I know that Noel has a, a a bit of a notoriously bad memory. I'm just yeah, he does. <laughs> <laughs> so, so so I think he I, even he would agree with that. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> No, yeah, I've watched the growth of a lot of really good players, and that's because yeah. I was always very big into growing players. I don't mind having competitors. I know there's some people right now that won't coach me because they know that I have the potential to be good. I've had top players like straight up, hey, do you mind if I take your coaching? They're like, no, because I know you can be good, so I don't want to coach you. <laughs> I'm like, full respect to that. I'm the complete opposite mindset. I actually take time and go into streams and find people who were streaming that were like plat. And I'd be like, yo, dude, hey, how's it going? And they'd recognize my name because they follow the competitive scene. I would just there and talk to them, and I'd help mm -hmm. them out. And i watch them, and I think uh, there was many people that would be like, yeah, he helped me get into Diamond. He helped me get into 24, 2500. And it's just because I don't mind having better competition because that helps me be better because now I've mm -hmm. taught you all this stuff, and then you have stuff that you can teach me. Like, I can take – it's like more like a give and take on both sides. Right. So that's one, that was one of my favorite pastimes, just going and find people and helping them out. Yeah, honestly, that was a big part of why uh, I'm building Brawl Academy. Is I love it. I, yeah, no, I, I want more people to, to get good at Brawlhalla because I think that, like, the competitive scene thrives when you continuously have new blood coming into it, oh, yeah. right? Oh, and yeah. so if we can, can kind of, like, nurture sort of, like, the, the more casual audience to make them more competitive, like yeah. the ones that have the interest and, like, help them get there, you just constantly have new players coming in and getting good well, at the game. There's a lot of people that just don't have that opportunity. They may have the drive and the the learning ability to get good really quickly, but because mm -hmm. there's such a big information, like, not hiding, I'm trying to find a better term, but there's like the protection 
yeah the top players don't want to tell anything they're they're gonna keep behind a paywall and i'm like well i want this information to just be out like Mm -hmm. i i don't mind it and that's one of the biggest things that i have an issue with but that happens in every everything like every sport there's always gonna be people that will that get good and they're like well i won't tell you anything unless you pay me Mm -hmm. or they'll just hide it yeah people people tend to try to keep things close to their chest like especially if they discover something oh yeah i i think it's it's interesting how there's like two different mindsets on this like where like some people will find tech and like try to keep it to themselves it's like eventually it's going to get discovered when you use it in a like an event and so once you once you use it in public you got your one chance to like take advantage of it and now everybody knows what it is because everybody's watched this tournament yeah and now you've like reset to a new position like where you were before because now that everybody else is taking advantage of it you now have to learn how to deal with this thing that everybody else has started well, to take advantage of that's what boomy did for many years boomy would find something broken and he would he'd be like he'd be openly a bro he'd be like, hey this is broken and then nobody believed him and he would just win a tournament with it and then bmg would promptly nerf it and he was like, cool, <laughs> finds the next broken thing. This is broken. And he'd be on stream, this is broken. I'm doing this, and this is broken. And I'm like, nope, it's not broken. And then he wins a tournament, BMG nerfs it. Cool. <laughs> and then I, I was like, it was so funny. Because I, I remember thinking, that's not, that's not that broken. What, what was one of them? What was one thing he abused? It had to have been a weapon of some sort. Maybe it was early guns, I don't remember. But he would just be like, yeah, guys, I'm doing this. And I right. mean... Like back in the day, guns were pretty nasty because yeah. that's back when nair recovery was true Ugh. at a certain point. Because you hit that very close nair and then you just jump up recovery, and that's when it was true. So you hit like nair and then they would dodge and you hit an air and then you hit like that small part of the nair and then you just get a free recovery every single time. No, that's gross. It was awesome. I loved it. It's a good player, <laughs> loved it. It was so easy, bro. Like, I think newer players that have like kind of oh come up God. during the during the covid era or like since like 2019 or so they're blessed like, right they don't they they're don't blessed. understand listen <laughs> listen we we had a time where there was no fast fall oh there was no fast fall so there's the, the, the jumps were doubled like oh, there was yeah. no you couldn't cancel it and so the the jump height was high the game was so much more slow paced then they introduced fast fall and then they introduced yeah. gravity canceling yeah no like the game has changed Brahala's evolved significantly, but like I was just thinking, you went even farther back. I was just thinking in terms of like like weapon balance related <laughs> True. things. Like I think there's there's people that may not that may not know that Spear Delight used to hit grounded. Yeah. For example. Yeah. Like you could pick people up off the ground with oh, yeah. Spear Delight. <laughs> like, uh, uh, twos twos used to be just vortex combos. There was no di, so you just oh, catch yeah. them to neutralize, and they was a guaranteed stock every single time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that and um, oh man, <laughs> the game's evolved. It, it makes me it makes me miss players like um, astronaut. Yeah, you know, I, I talked to him about this because uh, you know, you know, me and him actually had to compete for Starlight as a two's partner in the 2017 season. So oh, we okay. became naturally much closer just because we were in that ongoing battle for that entire summer, or that entire off season to try to have him as a teammate. And so I remember talking to him after years after he stopped playing. And he was like, dude, I couldn't play in today's game. Why? I only knew how to abuse the triple dodge meta, the chase dodge meta. <laughs> where you're just like, dodge, yeah. dodge, dodge. He's like, that's the only thing I was good at. 
Like I uh, could be good at this, but that, that's all I knew. So it would take me forever to get this stuff down. Dude was a master of that Grand of the oh, Spirit dude. Delight, too. His Atori used to drive me insane. Yeah. And he was yeah. a beast. Yeah. It's, man. Yeah, Brawlhalla was a very different game. Like it's a, It was it's, a different game every year, legitimately. I don't think until the past couple, like, since, uh, so yeah, COVID area. The, since the COVID yeah, area, it's been similar. About, yeah, about 2019, I think, is where things started to, like, really solidify, I think. Yeah. And uh, things got more consistent. Doggos! <laughs> I know that struggle. <laughs> <laughs> Out of nowhere, too. It's like, there's, nothing, there's nothing even happening. It's like perfectly <laughs> quiet here. Well, yeah, that, and that's one of the toughest things to explain to like the newer age people. Where I'm complaining about this new balance thing, with the, the, new, the new dash stuff. Oh, the, the dash stuff, yeah. And I'm sitting here complaining. I was like, hey, dude, just adapt. And I'm like, dude, I've adapted my entire life. I don't think you understand. Every year I had a new game to adapt to. <laughs> like, you're sitting here. All you have to do is like, oh, I can step to the ground now. I had to be like, well, I can't I can't do triple chase dodge. So I have to learn a whole new movement every single year. I, I only have an issue with how fast it is. I don't have an issue with it altogether. Yeah, yeah. That's that's probably my only complaint about it, too, is uh, it's just it makes online play. Oh, but almost impossible. Pain. If it, you it have makes... above 60 ping. It makes online play really painful, and that was the thing that made Brawlhalla what it was, was just yeah. really, really solid online play. Yeah, and so. I, I actually had a conversation with Cosslicks about this, and I'll say, I, I brought up the same point, I was like, I just don't think it's healthy for the online gameplay. And he was mm -hmm. like, well, why would we, why should we balance around online? And I was like, do you realize where we came from? Yeah, I was about to say, like, online is the backbone of brawlhalla yeah. basically well yeah. and he's trying and you know costlicks and how he thinks he's thinking more so on the side of lands and events like that because yeah. that's that's what gets the most views and, those and, events. and it makes sense it like his feels, voice makes sense it feels great on land oh like, yeah it's awesome yeah. on land but i don't think it's it was hard for him to understand my point and i understood his point i just mm -hmm. didn't fully agree with it and so we ended up just coming to a conversation to agree to disagree mm -hmm. and so but that it it we came from an online only type thing. We didn't have our first Brawlhalla event till what? 27 now. Or it had to be like middle of 2016. Because that's when Zaloxley won the first tournament combo breaker. That was like the Weird. first actual LAN event. Hmm. Interesting. Okay. Um. Do you want to know the story of how I got into Thatch? Sure. That this is a whole thing. I thought Thatch was the worst legend in the game. I think a lot for the of the longest thought, time. I think a lot of people may he, still think that Thatch is one of the worst legends yeah. in the game. No, but listen. So I was sitting here. I was a Lance main. For anybody who doesn't know, I was one of the OG Lance guys. I was actually the person that lab lamps gimps. So you're welcome for that. I figured out every type of Lance gimp. I did it in tournament and ranked. I have so many clips of me that I have saved in an old Brawlhalla clip folder of me making ranked comebacks against every pro you can think about just by hitting one side light there. And so that's how I got my beginning was through Lance. And then I really hated Thatch. I was like, I really don't like the way he operates. He doesn't have a coverage SIG. Like his end SIG is fully just horizontal. Like it's horrible. I'm going to play him. I'm going to place with him. And that's how I got started. And then I slowly figured out that his sword is just ridiculously good. And then I figured mm -hmm. out how to use that NSIG. Because if you go back if you go back and watch my clip or my set versus phase on, I hit NSIGs. I think I hit like seven or eight of them to confirm games, if not confirm stocks. 
And it's just because that SIG is ridiculously good at covering the ground. So mm -hmm. as I figured out the smaller tech, that's when I became better and better. And I actually had to convince Tiffany to let me play Thatcher 2s because <laughs> I was really good at Lance. She's like, no, what? keep playing Roland. What are you doing? And I'm like, hey, right. hey, hey. So I came to an agreement, right? I get to play Thatch for the first game of every set leading into winners. Once we get into winners, I only play Lance. Once I get into losers, I'll play Thatch for the first game of every set. If we go into top eight, I will stop. And I'll play only Lance. So after that agreement, that's when I got more and more tournament experience with Thatch. And then mm -hmm. I became it became my best character. And then Tiffany was like, you know what? Just play him. Just play Thatch. Yeah. Just play Thatch. I don't know how you're surviving <laughs> on this character. Just play him. <laughs> and so then we just started placing top eight consistently from there. Man, that's crazy. Yeah. There's a whole little backstory just behind that character. And now I'm, that's like my name is synonymous with that character. Albeit a lot of people think Llama. That's like the, the best thatch of all time. Yeah. Yeah. Llama's really good at thatch too. Llama's extremely good with thatch. He just has a, the later, the earlier, not later placements, but like he has the most recent high placements with the character. Mm -hmm. So I can respect well, it. He's a really cool guy too. You got to, you, you mentioned you got to be pretty well known for being a Lance player. Um, when you first started, uh, did you start playing Lance like in the beginning, or was that something that you kind of jumped into later on? No. So my first character that I ever mained was Sentinel. Okay. I got into the game for Cassidy. Played Cassidy, didn't like her because guns were too hard for me at that point. Mm. So I picked Sentinel and just started pressing the SIG button. Pretty good success with that. Yeah, really yeah. broken back in the day because the, the down SIG on Hammer had no end lag. So I could just do a down SIG whiff and the neutral light wake up consistently for free. <laughs> so, and then I was really interested in Scarlet. I liked the mm. smoke sig, the the Lance D sig. And that was mm. my favorite sig of all time back then. That sig was very broken back oh, then. Oh, yeah. Well, Cossacks had to get it nerfed. I didn't even abuse it the way he did. Yeah. And so that character, because I really liked the hammer. I was a really big hammer guy as well. So that mm. character fit my mold of like, okay, well, I have the Lance and I have the hammer and I have really good kill power. So... I played that, and then I actually started playing Bodvar because this is around the time when Twilight, one of the first B BCX2's winners, played with Daiku. Mm. He took me under his wing as a 2's teammate, and we'd play ranked all the time because I would be on until 3 a.m. So he right. was like, dude, there's nobody else for me to play with on stream. I'll play with you. And that's how we became really good friends, and he taught me a bunch of stuff, but he'd only let me play if I played Bodvar. <laughs> like he wouldn't, he wouldn't, he doesn't want the Scarlet because I'd always hit him. He's like, you have uh, to play Sword, so I'm going to teach you how to play Sword. Nice. So he taught me how to play sword, and I was like, hey, can we come to a happy medium? Can I play Roland? <sighs> yeah, you can play Roland, sure. And I was like, awesome. So that was my three characters for the longest time until I played Thatch was Scarlet, Roland, and Bodvar. Wow. Dang. Scarlet, Roland, Bodvar, and then Thatch. I mean, the sword makes sense. Okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah the yeah, swords, yeah. and then the sword just carried, because now I play Val. I've hopped around between different sword legends. Yeah. yeah. I, I mean, I for a long time recognized you more for your sword than anything else yeah like, I, dude i've had Maggie tell me he's learned stuff from but when he was growing as a player he said he took a lot from my sword whenever i was good mm -hmm. and i was like that's right <laughs> I, was, I was a good sword player dude that's right i remember i remember <laughs> dude you used to get so mad because i'd sword and air juggle you constantly i remember because you'd be like dude stop hitting me with sword and airs. And like, ha, 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 ha. here's another one for you <laughs> i 
I remember, <laughs> I actually remember getting on your nerves when I started to figure your sword out. Too. Oh, you, your scythe game? Like, oh, dude, you used to disgust me. I'd be like, you're your scythe, dude. I couldn't figure it out. You, you would hit me once, and I'd be like, dude, this is broken. You're being yeah. carried by a broken weapon. <laughs> and then I figured it out. I was like, oh, I'm just stupid. Yep. Yep. That's, that's how it went. We used to frustrate each other. Our DMs, you can, you can go back and look at our DMs. It was a lot of anger. And then, yeah. like, a co- some cool period where we'd talk about stuff. And then it's like, dude, well, I don't like the... Uh, okay, how's your day going? <laughs> you, if, you, if you had, like, a very small snapshot of some of our DMs, you would think that we hate each other. But yeah, for real. <laughs> Me and Gobi have been cool for, like, the longest time. Yeah, we don't hate each other. We've always liked each other. We just have very strong emotions sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Oh, we're... Uh... These these episodes, like, we're sadly getting close to the end of our time together. Oh, um, I know. It feels like there's still a lot that we. There's talk a ton about. that I could talk about. I've, I'm, I'm. There's, there's definitely a handful of people that I'm gonna have to have on for like a part two episode. I think. Dude, put me something. in a group episode. Me, you, double dime. Let's do it. I know, right? We're gonna have to do something like that for sure. Um, well, to wrap us up, the one thing I tend to ask people is. Uh, do you have anything that you'd like to just kind of say to the, the wider community or, or your fans? Um, yes. And the biggest thing that I want to, to tell any, everybody who wants to be good at the game is don't let what other people say affect you. That was one thing that I struggled for the longest time is that I had other people saying, well, you, you're, that your teammate needs to drop you because you're the weak link on like every team that I've had. So don't let what anybody says bother you because that will only throw you into absolute chaos and you're going to start questioning yourself. So mm-hmm. find a way, find a way to be confident and strong in every opinion that you have in every part of your gameplay so that you know you're playing the best way you are. Otherwise, you're going to fall down a hole that is going to be really hard to get out of. Nice. That's good advice. It's really good advice. I like it. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, Gobi, thanks so much for coming on the show. Uh, oh, I love I was, being here. I was really excited to do this one. Um, we've been friends for a long time. So. <laughs> yeah, I was doing you are you are super you were super OG, so I was like, yeah, nope, Gobi's on the list for sure. <laughs> <laughs> so no, this is a lot of fun. And I'm I'm happy to see you playing the game and enjoying it again. On top uh, betting this year. Recently. Oh yeah. On top betting. And I'm going to. I, I have I've been grinding so much. I believe I'm, it. Gonna, I'm, I'm going to. It's gonna happen. I wanna I wanna see it. I think it'll be great. All right. Well, thanks for being on the show and uh have a good night, everybody. Thanks for watching this episode of Brawlhalla Origins. We'll be back next week with another episode. Join our VIP list by signing up at season2.brawlhallaorigins.com to get early access to each episode, special clips, giveaways, and behind-the-scenes updates. See you next week.